0: what's up jason tatum here ball up wherever you are with nba 2k mobile playing game events to collect nba legends and rising stars to assemble your dream team and settle things on the court download nba 2k mobile now on the app store and google play
1: hello guys welcome back to a brand new episode of the pick podcast no theme music for this one because it wasn't supposed to be a full episode but we had the host of the six-man show luke sylvia and Jonathan Osborne on to talk about the Orlando Magic, Jalen Suggs, Evan Fournier's fit with the Knicks, and the conversation lasted a while, and it was a great conversation. I think it lasted about 40 to 50 minutes, and because of that, we decided to make it an entire show, so I hope you guys enjoy episode 105, and I hope you guys enjoy the conversation. We have... The host of the six-man show on the pod. Sorry, but I'm forgetting your guys' names, man. Say it again oh, for the podcast. Oh, man.
2: We're 30 <laughs> seconds into this. This ain't going well. No. Uh, my name is Jonathan. What's going on, guys?
1: Yeah, and I'm, I'm Luke. So What's Jonathan, going on,
2: Joel and Riv? We, we we know who you See, guys are. See, we all know y'all
3: names. No,
1: <laughs> man, it's all I, right. I'm total. I totally blanked out on it.
2: No worries, bro. I'm I'm just playing.
1: But we're, we're excited to have you guys on. You guys recently signed with Blue Wire, which is huge. And you're one of the few Orlando Magic podcasts. I mean... You're the only Orlando Magic podcast that I've seen on the internet anywhere, to be honest. And you guys are doing your thing. You guys have had Jonathan Isaac on the show. You guys do like live draft parties. It's awesome. How did you get started on the podcast?
2: Um. So yeah, it started about two and a half years ago. Uh, one night, I was I was driving home with my wife, and like you said, there aren't many Magic podcasts. There are a few more now, but you know, like two and a half years ago, there were it was really just not even a handful. And the podcast episode ended and and we still had a long drive home. I'm like, man, I wish I had another magic podcast to listen to. And she's like, well, why didn't you start one? And I just kind of shrugged it off at first. And just more and more, I thought about it. I was like, "Eh, you know what? Why not? So um, started it initially with one of my childhood friends. And, you know, it wasn't a a great fit. He wasn't really feeling it. Um, Tried to do it by myself for a little bit. And I wasn't feeling that. And I was like, man, either I got to get a co-host or, something else has got to switch up here. And um, I started looking for a co-host and, and the boy Luke here would just kind of drop right in my lap. And uh, no, we just hit it off really from day one and we've had great chemistry and, you know, we just love the team. We love talking about it. There's not enough coverage, you know, of the magic, at least, you know, in our opinion, you watch ESPN and, you know, Fox sports and they don't ever talk about the magic. So we try to be that, you know, for the community and for the magic fans.
1: Were you guys friends before you started the podcast? You guys met, as soon as you started the podcast?
2: Uh, no, um, you know, Luke, I mean, Luke, if you want to tell the story on how you <laughs> reached I <got> it. out. <laughs> I got it, I got it, I got it. So uh, yeah, no, Jonathan put out a post and he was
3: like, hey, I've been, you know, I'm looking for a co-host essentially. Uh, and at the time I had been telling my wife, like, hey I I'm, I really want an outlet. I want to, I want something else like something I can do. I just feel like there's an itch that needs to be scratched. I don't know if it's streaming video games. I don't know if it's podcasting. I'll know what it is. But I was super intrigued with podcasts. I've loved podcasts for a long time now and uh so i just dm jonathan let him know i was interested in you know trying to be a co-host on the show um and then yeah i i came on board and then the pandemic happened and sports shut down i don't think that i got to talk magic basketball about an actual game until the bubble happened uh with him so we we did a podcast for what, two months every week, um, for two months with nothing going on. So we did, we dug deep into our bag to try to find ideas and stuff. Um, but yeah, man, that, that's kind of how it got started. Um, just DM and M and now, you know, there's not a day that goes by that we're not texting about something, you know, whether it's life or basketball. Um, so the past, you know, whatever it is, you know, over a year now, um, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been awesome so far. So,
1: yeah, that's amazing. And, I admire people who do podcasts on teams because like you mentioned, there are times during the year where there's nothing to talk about. You have to come up with these ideas. Like for us, everything's always going on NBA rumors, NFL, like we're talking about something. But for you guys, you guys have to dig into the past or come up with really creative ideas to come up with topics for your show.
3: Yeah, yeah, man, it's 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 pretty crazy. And and first, I just wanted to also say, I know we really didn't get to talk before this, but uh, I found y'all actually on TikTok. Um, I saw one of y'all's clips on TikTok, and I was like, "Oh, they actually know what they're talking about." Because I do admire that as well, right? Like when you're talking NBA, you have to know what you're talking about. And you guys would pull stuff out about the Magic that I'm like, "Wow, these guys actually know what they're talking about." They, they, they you know, months back, they knew who Chumo Kiki was uh, enough to talk about him and la- at length. And so, um, and actually have a debate about you know the Magic. So you guys, I mean, you guys got my respect from the beginning. So it's just, uh, it is cool to be, you know, able to be on the show with you guys. It, it, it's it's a huge honor, honestly. Yeah, you
2: got you guys aren't out here doing the Kendrick Perkins, just, you know, saying <laughs> random stuff about stuff. You have no idea what you're talking about. And the same thing, I'll kind of echo uh, Luke's sentiments. I came across you guys on YouTube, and that's kind of where we started to communicate a little bit before I followed you on Twitter. And it, it, um, I think you guys were talking about uh, maybe the Jamal Mosley hire or something like that. And I was like, all right, these guys, they they've done their homework and you guys you know, know what you're talking about. So we appreciate that.
1: Yeah, sir. we, we try to know what we're talking about as much as possible. And the Orlando Magic in the 2018, 2019 season, I was watching them heavily. That was the year that I think there was a stretch where they were the 10th, 11th seed, but they played really competitive basketball. That team was very deep. That was the year that D.J. Augustine was great in game one against Toronto. And I told my friend the Magic will make the playoffs. Watch out for the magic. They'll make the playoffs. Evan Fournier was great that year, along with Vucevic. Terrence Ross off the bench <laughs> was a flamethrower. And we'll get into this right. right now because I want to get your takes on
2: it. All right, perfect. Let's go.
1: Evan Fournier, he just got signed by my New York Knicks. I love the signing. I think Fournier fits our team. Flores Spacer can create his own shot at sometimes, But Riv, he doesn't like Fournier. He calls him a cone on defense. He <laughs> says that in with Boston, he averaged 13 points. He's not going to do much for the Knicks. So I'll start with you, Jonathan, because you like Fournier. Give me your analysis on Evan Fournier and who the Knicks are getting as a player.
2: All right. So this is what I'll say. um, Just first of all, in defense of Evan Fournier's time in Orlando, um, Evan is a very polarizing figure when you talk to Magic fans, especially on, you know, like Magic Twitter, uh, the Orlando Magic subreddit. Evan Fournier, in his time in Orlando, for the most part, was miscast. He was always asked to carry far too much of an offensive load. You look at his time in Orlando, 16 points per game um in seven seasons, shot forty five percent from the floor, thirty-seven percent from the three-point line. If if he's going to be a guy, you know, for the Knicks that he should be, when you have guys like Julius Randle, RJ Barrett, Derek Rose, Alec Burks, like in that offense, best case scenario, Evan Fournier should be like your third. Fourth option offensively if he's just asked sometimes to play make you know be a you know secondary even like a third ball handler knock down open three-pointers that is the perfect role for Evan Fournier in Orlando he was asked a lot of the time to be the primary ball handler Magic fans got so sick and tired of the high pick and roll (laughs) with Evan Fournier and Nikola Vucevic in late game situations and Evan either making mistakes or or forcing up a bad shot or whatever the case may be at the time, and that's just not the guy that he is. That's not the type of guy that he should be on a good team. Now, you guys look back at the Celtics Nets playoff series from earlier this year. Kevin Durant started talking trash to Evan Fournier, and Fournier went right at him like, "Yo, you don't you don't talk to me like that." There were some unpleasantries exchanged between the two of those. So I think he fits like the New York Nick, like the New York mentality. Put him with, you know, with Tibbs, uh, with a lot of those other guys that we talked about. And I think you guys are gonna be, you know, pleasantly surprised with Evan Fournier. Now, nineteen million dollars a year, I'm not gonna lie, that's <laughs> steep. Like that is steep. But um, I think in the right role he can live up to that contract. And Luke is gonna go the complete other way with this. So we can just <laughs> uh
3: yeah. I mean, so the the thing with Fournier, I Jonathan opened my eyes to the truth that Evan Fournier was severely miscast in Orlando. Like he said, he was asked to do things that really made him the villain. Now, my thing is, is that Jonathan would say that, and I would say, yeah, but if if he's getting paid, what he's getting paid, and he's really the second, you know, second option on this team most of the time down the stretch, he's maybe the number one option down the stretch. You you have that role. You better be ready for the critiques. And I think that a lot of people that are Magic fans who you know were Evan truthers would tell you. You know, you you. Why are you hating on him? He's just miscast. But the honest truth is, if you're in that role, you're going to get hate from me because I don't care that you're all I've got. If you're if you're making dumb plays down the stretch, I'm going to let everybody know about it. And and there was that many times. Evan Fournier had a lot of game winners. I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah. He had a lot of game winners. And and in one time was it 2017 or 2018, Jonathan, Um, that that we found that, you know, you had told me about it as well. That he had like one of the highest clutch ratings in the league that year. I mean, he he you can't call him not clutch, but it just really is not ideal for him. The amount of times where he did something stupid and crunch time and cost the magic the game, but it is gonna happen when you have so many times where you're the guy. Um, unfortunately, nobody else was there to do it for him. It wasn't gonna be Aaron Gordon. Markel's been hurt. Like Jonathan Isaac's been hurt. He he really, no one was helping him either in terms of being healthy and helping him. But um, yeah, I'm not a huge Fournier fan, but I do think um, in New York being the option that he's going to be there and not having to be the number one or two. I think he's going to thrive. I mean, you saw it last year with Boston. Yes, he only averaged 13 points a game, but he also shot 46% from three, which is absurd for almost six attempts a game. So if he can just be a guy that has to hit open shots, occasionally, you know, create his own shot too, something the Knicks don't really have right now and something that they really needed was a shot creator, just an additional one. Uh, I, I think that that he'll be able to kind of thrive in New York.
0: So what, what you're telling me is, what you, would, you know, like this is, I'm not saying these two guys are the same player. but What you're telling me is they paid him $19 million. Steep. To be a little bit better than Reggie Bullock on offense and less Reggie Bullock on defense. That's what you're telling me.
3: I mean, yeah, they, like we have said, like it's definitely steep. For Evan Fournier, I don't agree with the contract. I agree with the fit. And I think that's the difference there. Uh, I I think that fit wise, he's going to be great. And maybe he ends up being worth that much just because of what he's able to bring to the team. Um, But I agree. I mean, Reggie, Reggie Bullock is, uh, I mean, he had points last year. We had, you know, stretches where he's hitting that three ball really well. And Knicks fans are going insane. Uh, and I will admit, Evan Fournier is not the most talented defender. So, Riv, hear me when I say I know he's being overpaid in New York, but it could end up being okay.
2: I, the I last thing I'll say in in defense of Evan Fournier is you're you're asking Reggie Bullock a lot of time to guard the other player's best perimeter player. You should never be asking Evan Fournier to guard the other <laughs> team's best you, perimeter player. You don't player. you don't
1: think Fournier is a good defender at all? Do you no, agree he with... is
2: a very good team defender. Okay, that's One on one, if you talk about guys that are really elite in the NBA, breaking you down off of the dribble, Evan Fournier is not would not be the first guy that I would choose in that scenario.
3: His knees are turning to dust
2: if he's going on. Rev
1: called Fournier a cone. Do you agree with that? I situation? would
2: not say a cone. I would not <laughs> say a cone. Maybe maybe a cone with legs. I don't know, mm-hmm. but uh, he's he's not going to be a you know Drew Holiday or anything like that. But No, he, he is a good solid, you know, team defender. He's, you know, for the shooting guard position, he's got good size Uh, again. You know, he's a fairly athletic guy. Um, But no, he's, he's not exactly Reggie Bullock defensively. Um, But I don't think uh, a cone is is fair.
1: (laughs) I, I don't think Reggie Bullock was that good defensively. To be honest, I saw him get broken down multiple times. Tom Thibodeau is a great coach. He brings out the best in his players. Julius Randle was not known for being a good defender, now Randall is a great defender with Tom Thibodeau. A team defender, I think, is more important than an on-ball defender throughout the course of the game. I think in late possessions where there are isos, that matters more. But team defense, to me, that's what's important with Fournier and reverend I disagree with something you said, Reggie Bullock. Even if he was asked to do to play a role like Fournier played in Orlando, he couldn't even live up to his shoes. Reggie Bullock at max is 14 a game. He can't give you nothing more. He can't do anything off the dribble. Fournier, 2019, averaged half points per game in Orlando. Didn't tell
0: me. Okay, go ahead. Keep going.
1: He shot 40% from three, 47% from the field. And before getting traded to Boston, he averaged close to 20 a game. Reggie Bullock could never do that. It's not a slight upgrade. It's a major upgrade. No, but
0: it's not a major upgrade because Fournier is going to go to New York and be asked to do what Reggie did slightly a little bit more. So he's not, it's not like he's going to put up that 19 that he put up with Orlando.
1: And the or the, 18 con, or the contract, I understand 19 million, it, it sounds steep. But when you look at what Joe Harris is getting paid in Brooklyn, 18.5 million, I think Fournier is a better player than Joe Harris. So I, I think that contract is fair for Fournier. I don't think that's too I, bad. I think,
2: I think really where the Knicks will get the value out of Fournier is going to be in the playoffs when the game slows down like you're not going to look at Evan Fournier's regular season stats and be like, okay, we paid this guy $19 million, but you know, the Knicks, you know, if they're hoping to get like past the second round next year, Evan Fournier is a guy that, and you know, Luke's going to bring up the fact that Evan Fournier has not been good in the playoffs in his career. And that's 100% a fact. But if he's able to turn that round, turn that around in New York as a Knick, um, again, when the playoff game slows down and you guys need another ball handler, that's where you're going to get the value, you know, Fournier versus Reggie Bullock, I think.
1: All it takes is one run, right? You know, Kyle Lowry, before the championship run, was known as a playoff choker. Now he wins with Kawhi. Kyle Lowry, he's a leader you need on your team. Chris yeah. Middleton, before this season.
2: We we don't like <laughs> Kyle Lowry in these parts for a lot of reasons. But no, I get what you're saying. And,
1: and Chris Middleton, before this playoff run, he was viewed as a liability. And now we saw this postseason. He's now enamored and everybody's like Chris Middleton is the real deal. I'm not saying that's going to be Fournier, but I'm saying I, I- could see Fournier having a series where he's lights out from three. He does really well from the field and he's just doing what he does for the Knicks, especially when when we face the Hawks in the playoffs next year and we get our revenge on them. That's for sure.
3: <laughs> do, do, do y'all remember? I know, like you said, Joel, you said it all only, it only takes one run and I have a prime example and it's a magic example uh Nikola Vucevic against Toronto against Toronto nobody was a fan of Vucevic after that Toronto series so much so that people were saying trade him now just get him off the team i don't even want to look at him anymore because against Toronto he averaged 11 points and shot 36% from the field but then like you said it just takes that one run out of a player and you win back the entire fan base and what people think of you the next year uh against Milwaukee Vucevic last year, twenty-eight points, eleven rebounds, forty percent from three on almost nine attempts a game. So you you win back the entire fan base in one run. I like so I do out. I do agree with your with your sentiment, Joel, that that you know it only takes one run for a for a player to win back the fans and win back the people like Riv who might say you know Fournier isn't all that and he's just he's just Bullock but worse on defense.
0: No, I love to hear the Vucevic numbers. I just. That just made me. Well, well, too bad that, for you. He'll. Our guy.
1: Well, too bad for you. He'll be. Vucevic versus Toronto for the Bulls more so than he'll be Vucevic versus the Bucks.
0: Wow! Oh, I can't wait. <sighs> okay. Oh, <laughs>
2: now, I now I got to step in here and disagree. All right, <laughs> you can besmirch whoever you want. You do not talk bad about <laughs> Nikola Vucevic. You, you know what's one crazy? of the top five Magic players of all time. You
0: Whoa, know what's crazy what the, is that
1: really.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, we got you got Dwight Shaq, Tracy McGrady, Penny Hardaway, and then Nikola Vucevic. I mean, we can
0: Grant Hill, Grant
2: Grant Grant Hill, Hill Grant like Grant Grant Ankins Hill, six years. Yeah. Yeah, Oh no, I mean no. If if we're talking, we're not talking about like over the course of their careers because we've had like. Patrick Ewing played for the magic, you know, uh, you know, Dominique played for the magic. We're talking about guys strictly in a magic uniform. Yeah. Um, I don't have all the numbers in front of me, but Vooch ranks top 10, like in so many magic stats. It's, it's pretty, you're kicking out
3: Nick Anderson, basically to put Vooch five. And that's completely fine with the run he had against Milwaukee. I don't care that Orlando lost that series. I don't, I don't care about any of that for a dude to average, to be, you know, what he was who came into the league, not being able to shoot the three ball, especially, and then shoot 8.8 threes a game and shoot 41% from three. That dude has got my respect forever. And I didn't think I was going to ever forgive him from that Toronto series. And he made me yeah, pay Marcus for it the Saul. next year.
1: If Marcus I'm not Saul, mistaken, mistaken Vucevic was a part of that Igodala trade or the Bynum yes, trade. the Dwight Howard trade. The, yeah, Dwight, the Dwight Howard, Howard trade. trade. Okay.
2: Yep. yep. I- Igodala going to Denver. Um, it was like a four team trade, I believe. But yeah, we ended up with Vuce and nobody thought he was going to be anything. Turns into a two time all-star you know brings the he's our best player you know both the years we went to the playoffs in you know 2019 and you know 2020 so yeah he's a Vooch is a fan favorite for sure yeah
1: so on to this new look Orlando Magic team because this is a different look team than it has been in the years past the only guy that you can really name is Terrence Ross that was a part of that playoff core and I think that's pretty much it that I'm looking at here
3: Isaac, Isaac, but obviously Isaac he's too, been yeah. hurt. Yeah. MCW, yeah. But, so
1: yeah. and yeah, Michael Carter Williams as well. During the draft, <laughs> there was a lot of speculation pre-draft about you know where's the magic go. You know we're talking about Kaminga at five. Scotty Barnes wasn't a it wasn't a big fan favorite. It was more so Kaminga. Then at eight, let's go get a Buck Night. On draft day, when you saw that Suggs was there at five, did everybody want y'all to draft Jalen Suggs or were there some fans that said no, we want Kaminga still?
2: Well, I'll, I'll plug our little video. So we did like a draft day vlog um, that's up on our YouTube channel. And we we were recording in the arena um, when the Scotty Barnes pick came through because even, you know, they're, they're talking on the ESPN broadcast and they've got Woj sitting, you know, five feet away from them. And they're talking about how, you know, the pick is expected to be Jalen Suggs. And at that point, I'm not on my phone. I don't want to see all the spoilers and everything like that. But we're just thinking like, oh, Here go the Raptors. They're going to take Suggs and we'll draft, you know, Barnes or, you know, Kamingo, whoever the the front office really prefers. And then the Raptors take Scotty Barnes in the. So Luke and I were both in the building game three, 2019, when the Magic played the Raptors, you know, the first playoff game in that building in Luke, what was it? Seven years. And being there for the draft party, when Scotty Barnes' name was announced, was that building was every bit as loud as that game 3 playoff game in wow. 2019 because at that moment everybody knew that we were getting Suggs it was a there was a Suggs chant right after that Barnes pick and uh we were just really t- terrified that the Magic weren't going to take Suggs and they were going to try to get cute with the pick but no the fan base is very 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 excited so
0: I'm um, I'm you know I'm not a I'm I wouldn't say I'm an Orlando hater but I'm not an Orlando fan I'm kind of just like in the middle of it all, just like oh, Orlando's—you know—it's a cool team, nice team, nice colors. They're in Orlando, <laughs> you know, Disney World—all that good stuff. You know it's bad when you have to only have to reach <laughs> yeah, the for our colors. For <laughs> yeah, no, good colors. I was, I was, um, I'm, I was a little confused. Run me through. What do you think of the eighth pick with Wagner? Because I watched Michigan a lot. You know, I'm kind of a college junkie. I watched Michigan throughout the year. Talk to me about that. Why didn't you? Why'd you go Wagner at eight instead of Buck Knight? Luke, do you want to take it?
3: Um, yeah. So I think that the, the thing really is with with you know with the draft was the magic were incredibly set on, you know, we're gonna, you know, with the fifth pick, we're gonna, we're gonna draft Kuminga, we're gonna draft uh, Scottie Scotty Barnes, we're gonna get a Ford, essentially, right? Um, so everybody then in turn was like you know, let's let's go ahead and prepare ourselves for that. And then the eighth pick will be like a Moses Moody, uh, a guard that will be able to, you know, help the the franchise there. And so I think, you know, you, you go with, you know, the fifth pick obviously ends up being Suggs and you're like, oh, but in the moment you don't have time to process the fact that that means you're not taking a guard with the eighth pick. It didn't seem like that. Why would you? Right. So, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the Wagner pick. It's still to be seen, obviously, if that was the right pick to make. And I don't really want to judge it, you know, in a fair light until the season is, you know, underway and we're at least halfway through and I could see kind of what we're dealing with. But, I, uh, I I can't fault Orlando for taking a Ford necessarily. I was hoping eight was going to be Moses Moody in all transparency. I wasn't even looking at Book Night. I knew I listen. I saw the draft combine. I saw hit the, the videos of his stroke. It looked so much better than it did in college. It looked like his percentage is going to go you know up on, from his three point percentage that it was in college whatnot. But I just couldn't get you know I I wasn't really on board with him. I wanted Moody really badly. I wanted Moody. I was willing to stretch up to five for Moody if I if I had to, because the eighth and fifth pick, there's not many you know guys between. It. There's not much margin there. So if you really like a guy, pick him at five. I think the Magic really could have benefited from a Moody at five, but obviously when Suggs falls, that's what you had to do. Um, as far as Wagner goes, man, it uh it it, it kind of stinks, but the Magic were in such a pigeonhole that you had to like pick a forward with it. Um, and that's just kind of what happened. And apparently there was rumors that the magic or some team had promised Wagner. If you're there, we're taking you. And we thought for sure that wasn't the case with the magic. I, I and don't they,
1: think
2: nobody promised.
1: I think that was Sacramento. You think so? Yeah. I they think that's Sacramento. Wagner.
2: Well, <laughs> if I can, if I can jump in here, I'm a little bit more optimistic on the Wagner pick than Luke is, but I'm right there. You know, we've been thinking Barnes or Kaminga at five, the whole time. We didn't think Suggs would be there. So you're thinking we get a forward at, Five, then we'll take a guard yeah. at eight, whether that be Moody or Book Knight or wherever yeah. the case is. Who would you have and took? In real, what's that? Who
0: would you took at eight if you took Kaminga or whatever at five, the wing? who would I
2: think you took? I think I was leaning towards Moody. Um, just with with uh, with Book Knight. Um, you know there were just concerns about you know the, the shot making. Yes, you know he's you know arguably going to be like a three level guy, but the percentages were a little bit worrisome. You know at, at UConn, but you look at Moses Moody. Moses Moody was one of the best shooters. Um, you know, in, in pick and roll situations, you know, in NCAA last year. So, um, we had a basically our draft expert, Eric Fawcett, came on the podcast, uh, the week before the draft and just really sold Moses Moody, honestly. Uh. This is a kid that just lives, eats, breathes all the advanced analytics and, um, just kind of the way that he projects as a ball handler again in pick and roll situations, his ability, you know, to defend multiple, multiple positions. Obviously, is a great shooter. Um, so, I was looking at that as like a day one contributor. Book night is probably like the higher upside pick, but we were looking at Moses Moody as a guy that could come in and contribute from day one. Um, but again, you know, we're in the arena real time. Suggs is the pick. My mind is just completely blown. I can't really process any information at that point. So, you see in our video, again, when the Wagner pick is made, we're all kind of like, oh, wow, like we're just, you know, really shocked. But everything that the front office has said since then, the thing about the Orlando Magic front office is that we do not leak anything. Anytime you hear Orlando Magic in rumors, I can almost guarantee you it is almost always from another team, another executive, or from someone's agent trying to drive whatever narrative they're trying to drive home. We heard that the Magic worked out. Corey Kispert, um, Moses Moody, Scotty Barnes. There was you know pre, uh, post-workout media availability where we interviewed those guys. Mo Wagner was was did work out for the magic. Um, the magic never actually leaked that he uh, confirmed that in an interview after the draft. And then Jake Fisher from Bleacher Report, you know, he did uh, not report but speculate that there was a, um, a promise, you know, from Wagner between Orlando and Sacramento. And he alluded to the fact that it wasn't Sacramento. So knowing what we know now, and then John Hammond, our general manager was on the radio the day after the draft and said, you know, Jalen sucks kind of fell into our lap. We had no idea what Toronto was doing until they made that pick, but they said Franz Wagner was always going to be the pick at eight, no matter what, no matter who he took at five, no matter who was there at eight, Franz Wagner was going to be the pick. So that tells me that one, he absolutely destroyed the draft, you know, workout that they had with him uh, that they kept private for whatever reason. And they promised him, um, you know, that we'll take you at eight if you're not there. And the reason that teams do that is so that you don't work out for teams that are slated below you, so that they can try to trade up and take a guy. So he really, really impressed the Magic. Um, he's had a little bit of a shaky start to, to summer league. He started to play a little bit better the last couple of games. Um, but when you just look at kind of the how tight the, the front office kept that secret, and they're willing to take him at eight and say we we're going to take him no matter what. Um, to me, that says a lot about whatever happened in that workout and you know kind of their uh, their analysis of, of Franz Wagner.
1: And for me, I think that was actually right. The Magic were looking at forward, then guard. So you had to flip-flop those two scenarios. So now you're looking at guard and forward. When when the pick happened, I was a bit confused because I was like, okay, Jalen Suggs is best available, but the Magic have a lot of guards. But then thinking about it again, I'm like, I mean, they have a lot of guards, but do they have the guard? You know, RJ Hampton, is he the guard? Is Cole Anthony going to be the guy? I'm not sold on either. I think RJ Hanton has more potential though. Markel Fultz, is he going to be the guy? We want him to be that, but he has not proven that yet. Jalen Suggs can be that guy and can run the offense for years to come, which is why I think it was a great pick. As for the eighth pick, you look at the forwards on the board at the time Zaire Williams, I think that would have been a reach. Chris Duarte, Moses Moody could have been the pick, but he's a, he's a shooting guard. And I love Moody, by the way. I think. He has zero bust potential. I think Moody's going to be really good. Corey Kispert, Trey Murphy. You know, a lot of those guys are too high for number eight. Maybe you could have went with Jalen Johnson and gotten an Aaron Gordon clone. But realistically, Franz Wagner was the most NBA-ready player at that spot. And I'm just going to say it. I don't think he's a, he has star potential at all. I, I think he's a role player, and that's what he is. And that's fine. I think he can be a serviceable player for years to come he can he's a versatile defender he can stress the floor but in terms of like a star I don't really see it but he's a winner and I think Orlando in the draft they landed two winners in Jalen Suggs and in Franz Wagner
3: yeah yeah and that that's definitely the thing right like you said you know and and like I'm going to say now as well is like the the fifth pick was was the pick, right? I mean, no other team has that t- two top ten picks like that um, to take those swings you you Jalen Suggs quite literally falls into your lap. And then from there on out, I wish I could have told myself in this in the moment. everything after that is just the cherry on top, right? I mean, no matter what you do at that point, it's like we had two top 10 picks. We don't need a guy that's going to be another. We don't need to draft another guy who's got a high ceiling, Um, you know, more so get a guy who's more NBA ready now. I mean, you look at it with 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 Wagner and with with Suggs. Suggs was the right pick. That's the guy that, you know, has both a high floor, I think, and a high ceiling. And you really just don't know what he's going to turn out to be because there's so many options that, you know, so many results that could happen with Wagner, man. I think that you know, you, you hope he's just serviceable, and that's it. But, like you said, there wasn't, I'm not, I don't want to reach for Zaire in that situation. A lot of Magic fans were high on Zaire. I was saying, no, thank you. So, you know there i just i i wasn't going to see you know that happening at all so wagner is is what he is and is what he's going to become but uh, a lot of people are hitting the panic button with the summer summer league already with him and i just i don't think that's fair to him um but but yeah i i like you Joel i wasn't super high on the wagner pick at the time
1: i'm under the assumption that when you get the 8th overall pick and i'm going to remove that cherry on top right now you should trade the 8th overall pick no matter what you do it's a cursed pick and I actually have a video dropping soon about the history of that pick. The last All Star that the last All Star that was picked at that spot was in nineteen eighty three, I believe. No 1993. and these are the last eighth overall picks. Last season, Ob Topping. I'm a Knicks fan. I'm not too optimistic. <laughs> J- Jackson Hayes, Colin Sexton. Okay, he's good. Frank Nilakina. Marquise Chris, Stanley Johnson. Nick Stauskas. Contavius Caldwell-Pope, good role player. Terrence Ross, good role player. Brandon Knight had some moments. Alfru Camino. And then if you go even, you know, far back, Jordan Hill, Joe Alexander, Brandon Knight, Channing Fry. I mean, these names are horrible. <laughs> uh, I mean, I actually did the percentages. And out of the last 10 years, there have been seven busts in that eighth overall pick and, like, three good players. the The percentages for a team to draft an all-star within the lottery are at 25% over the last 30 years at the eighth overall pick and the 12th overall pick. Those are the two curse picks. And ironically, the eighth overall pick was France Wagner and the 12th was Josh Primo, both picks in the lottery that we were all questionable about. It's like a, a not even like a 10% chance. It's like a 2% chance. Primo.
2: Yeah. Well, I think, um you know, at eight, Again, you know, you're not really looking for the all star at that point, you know. And again, you know, is Markel Fultz the, the guy? Is RJ Hampton, Cole Anthony, all of these different guards that we have, are either of them going to be an all star? We don't really know. But if you're, if you take another guard at eight, you know, like a Book Knight or a Moody, you're not giving those guys enough room to breathe to really find out, at least in my opinion. So, um, Franz, I mean, like I said, you know, he's had a little bit of a shaky start. Um, you know, to the summer league, you know, he's touted as a very versatile defender. He struggled a little bit so far in that aspect., uh, we were talking about this last night um on the podcast that we recorded that right now, it seems like he's not quite quick enough to keep up with some of the smaller threes, but he's not really strong enough to, you know keep up with the fours either. So um but this this is what I'll say about the Orlando Magic front office. you look at um, Jeff Weltman uh, and John Hammond, you know, since they took over, um, Luke, what was that? The 2016 draft with Jonathan Isaac, they've hit on pretty much every single pick outside of Mo Bamba and Mo Bamba, you know, we can get into that argument, but he's faced a lot of adversity. Um, you know, he had a, a stress fracture in his leg, his rookie year. And then last year dealing with COVID, there are a lot of reports that him and, uh, Steve Clifford, our old head coach, didn't really see eye to eye, um, you know, playing behind an all-star Nikola Vucevic and one of the best backup centers in the league in Ken Birch, So um, outside of Mo Bamba, you look at Chuma Okiki, who the Magic took at 16 a couple of years ago, coming off an ACL tear. Uh, Right now, that pick looks like it's going to be a steal. If he was healthy coming off of that, you know, the final four, um, you know, for Auburn, he's probably a lottery pick that year. Uh, Last year, Cole Anthony at 15, still kind of up in the air on, you know, whether or not that's going to turn out to be a great pick. But it's looking like a really good pick, Um, you know, and they've been pretty shrewd with, you know, all their their trade moves, you know, trading Markel, trading for Markel Fultz. Basically for nothing. Uh, you have Nikola Vucevic, who, like Luke said a couple of years ago, after that Toronto series, people were really re- to let him leave in free agency. He was a free agent that summer. They re-signed him, you know, to a you know five-year uh, or four-year, hundred million-dollar deal, something like that. And then you end up trading him for a, a serviceable center in Wendell Carter Jr. Is he you know a starter in the league? I'm not really sold on that yet. But you end up getting two first-round picks in that deal as well. So. Um, we kind of lean towards trusting the front office, and I, I don't want to you know judge a guy off of you know three summer league games now, but um, It's just kind of wait and see with Franz. Serviceable,
0: Wendell. Listen, it, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> listen. I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna
2: tell you. It's early. It's early. He, it's he, he early. Knows. I I totally uh, well in terms of his Magic career, you know, I think we would both agree that he definitely needed a change of scenery. Needs, uh, you know, after he was straight to the Magic. That's all you need
0: to do. Just stay healthy. If you stay healthy, yeah. then, I mean, listen, listen, I'm glad we brought up, I'm glad you brought up yes, Wendell please. Carter Jr. <laughs> and Mo Bamba because this this gets into my question about Wagner. You know, Jonathan Isaac, coming off injury, I always forget what his injury is, because he has like so ACL. Real, ACL injury, you know, coming off injury, before the injury, he was one of the best defensive players in the NBA, can play off ball, on ball, can rim protect. He's just amazing. O'Kiki coming into his own. He's really good. And you got Mo Bama, who, like you said, he hasn't shown much, but he's still really young. You know, so he still has the opportunity with a new head coach to show something different. Wendell Carter Jr., new environment, new surroundings, new coach. Where do you see this front court fitting with now Wagner? Like, where do you see this front court looking like with this new season coming up? You want to take a look? Uh, yeah, I mean, with the season coming up, as far as
3: where he can fit, um, I mean, you you have to put him. Obviously, you're you're probably you're putting him power forward, right? You're putting him at the power forward spot, and you're putting him behind Ji. You're putting him behind Jonathan Isaac and and Chuma in that situation, right? So I think he'll fit, but I, I mean, like Joel said. I don't think either that Wagner's going to be an all-star by any means. I think he's going to be a guy that's going to make everybody's job easier on the court. He's going to do the little things. He's a winner, like you said, which usually means that they've got a lot of grit, that they're, you know, going to hustle. They're going to make those, you know, game-winning Angels. plays for you. Um, so I, I think that he'll also be able to kind of learn. Um, you you are behind a guy like like J.I. and a guy like Chuma, who um is progressing nicely. I mean, especially defensively. And so Wagner's just going to come in and just kind of fit where he needs to. And, uh, I'm not really concerned about, you know, how he's going to fit into the rotation because to be honest with y'all, the magic have 14 guys right now who all have a case for, for playing minutes, Mm. I mean, you, you've got a a deep roster right now that you're that that's another thing. I would love to answer the rotation and the the rotation question correctly and the best I can, but I have no idea with the new coach coming in. We don't know how he views these guys. Jonathan and I joke, if Steve Clifford was still there, Michael Carter Williams might be starting a point guard or shooting guard this year. So, but that's not even going to happen. He's I'm, I'm hoping not, um, you know, that's not even going to even have a chance of happening now that Jamal Mosley's in the building and we don't have cliffs bias towards MCW. so yeah, I'm not real concerned about where Franz fits in uh, in the roster, um, not any more than I am anybody else, because I really don't know who is going to fit there. And real quick, Jonathan, before I you know defer to you here too, the Magic have you know the roster so far. You know you got Gary Harris, who people seem to forget about because the Magic made a trade for him, um, and he you know struggled to stay healthy and whatnot. But Gary Harris, Markell Fultz, JI, Mo Bamba, WCJ, Cole chuma mcw rj hampton jalen suggs franz wagner mo wagner robin lopez now like you've got a ton of dudes who it's just kind of like we're not playing 13 deep so what's going to be the move here but jonathan kind of what do you think about as far as wagner and his fit with the rotation
2: yeah, I think a lot of us expect, you know, Chuma and, and Jonathan Isaac to start at the three and the four respectively, um, you know, Mo Wagner, I think a lot of us, you know, probably agrees either going to be, you know, the backup three or the backup four, um, where rumored to sign is his older brother, Mo Wagner. It hasn't become official yet. He played a lot of, um, you know, center, you know, for the magic really just out of necessity. You know, you talk about Wendell Carter's health, but Wendell Carter was out with like some type of like corneal abrasion or something like that. So Mo Wagner was like our starting center for like, you know, the last 10 games of the season or something like that. Um, But yeah, it's really up in the air Um, right now. I think one of the most intriguing things going into training camp is going to be Wendell Carter versus Mo Bamba. Um, The Action Network, uh, there was a report uh, like a week ago that the Magic were going to sign Wendell Carter Jr. to a $70 million extension. And Magic fans collectively went, what? Why? It's, yeah. just, it's way too early to sign him into that kind of deal, especially when you know a lot of us aren't ready to give up on Mo Bamba. You know, Mo has definitely struggled. He's been given, I think, you know, plenty of opportunity to show that he can play in this league. Has he proven it yet? I don't really know. Uh, but I think that's a guy who needed a change of scenery, really just in terms of a, of a new head coach. And we got that. But by all accounts, he's been working his butt off this season. Um, you know, he flew out to Las Vegas to practice with the summer league team, even though he wasn't going to be playing summer league, um, just to get run and just to, you know, start growing continuity with the new guys and the rookies and everything like that. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Wendell Carter and Mo Bamba. Uh, they'll, if they're not signed to extensions, they'll both likely be restricted free agents next summer. And, uh, I mean, at that point you probably have to pick one and kind of move forward.
1: I for one am hoping that Mo Bamba wins that matchup. Me too. Sadly for him, his career and Shaq West's career both fell off after the Mo Bamba release. (laughs) At first, the hype was crazy. Then, then Shaq West fell off as an artist. Mo Bamba fell off as a player. He couldn't quite keep up that hype. But to me, I think Mo Bamba—he's the guy the Magic should be trying to groom to be the starting center for the future. I believe so as Definitely well. Definitely
0: more fit for the NBA now. With like a yeah. front court of Isaac, Kiki, and Mobamba, that would be like ridiculous defensively. But it's just a Mobamba riff. No, me. I'm serious. Like the the, the no, length. Like ah, that, no. ah, I don't even want. To. Just hopefully, and Mobamba can
1: shoot too. He can stretch yep. the floor.
0: It, it, I just hope Obama wins. But before, before I defer to my friend right here, just uh, just one more question about my boy JI. You know, I really like him. What do you guys think? You know, with dealing with these back to back and season end injuries is his ultimate ceiling at this point in his career.
2: This is the thing about about Jonathan Isaac and, you know, we've had him on the show a couple of times. So I do my best, you know, not to be biased, <laughs> but we we just really like the kid as a person, you know, first of all. Um, and just the 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 will that that kid has is something that I would not doubt. Um, I think he's got all the physical tools to do everything that he needs to do in this league to be a really great player. Um, you know, if he can come back and healthy, if he's 100 percent, then he's a defensive player of the year candidate. If he comes back, even if he's 75, 80 percent of the defender he was, he's still an all NBA defender. Like the kid is just that good. We saw a couple flashes when he came back um, in the bubble just right before the ACL tear where like everything was happening. Like he was, you know, Euro step layups, getting to the rim whenever he wanted, knocking down corner threes, you know, pull up elbow jumpers, had all the offense going. Um, he's had a whole year now where basically the only thing he's been able to do is shoot jumpers, you know, rehabbing the ACL, um, in our, one of our first summer league games, Jeff Weltman, uh, was interviewed during the game and was, you know, just talking about Jonathan Isaac and his rehab. And he went out of his way. And Jeff Weltman is a very, very secretive guy when it comes to players rehabs and how players are doing. He doesn't like to put expectations on guys, but he went out of his way to say, Jonathan's jumper looks very good. For Jeff Weltman to say that, you know, that was kind of a big deal to Magic fans. So I think if if Jonathan can come back and I think his ceiling is like a perennial all star, but it's all going to rely on his offensive ability. We know the defensive ability is going to be there, uh, but if he can become like a, you know, 19, 20 point per game scorer, I think the kid's an all star and it's, it's not even a question. Yeah, I
3: mean that. Just to piggyback off what Jonathan said, it's absolutely his defense is there. We know that. We've known that. You can find, you know, Jonathan Isaac's defensive clips. His highlights are stupid for the lack of play play he's had so far in his career due to injury. If he stays healthy, man, which. Two injuries. I have nothing to do with each other. By the way, I think that they um, they're both free ac- freak accidents. That's what we're hoping for, and we hope that he stays healthy because we want to see what he can become. We don't need you know a Grant Hill situation. A lot of Magic fans will say that is is Ji on the track to becoming like another Grant Hill, where he's just a big what if with the organization. We hope not, um, and I know Ji definitely hopes not. But I mean, you look at, you know, J.I.'s numbers defensively, man, like 1.6 steals a game, 2.3 blocks a game uh, in 28 minutes in his third year is what that was like the 2019-20 year uh, where he played like 30 games or something like that. So, um, yeah, definitely could be a depoy. I I don't think that that's a magic bias that by any means he's got all the tools to be a depoy. He just needs to put together offensively, which he looked like he was, like Jonathan was saying, prior to his ACL injury in the bubble.
1: And and to recap this show, I want to know your guys' thoughts on how great Jalen Suggs has been so far in the Summer League. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I, We were talking about it on the show today, and it was that, I mean, Jalen Suggs, to me, he might have been held back at Gonzaga because what he's doing in Orlando, the put-back dunks, getting to the rim, getting to his spot, shooting. And Gonzaga, there were so many players he wasn't allowed to do that. If he would have went to another program, he would have been a top three, maybe top two lock, averaging 25 and five he was that good because right now summer league he's dominating
2: luke uh yours my friend
1: (laughs) yeah
3: so i might be stealing something jonathan was going to say but we we said it on the show last night jonathan said it on the show last night and i think it's very true Jalen suggs the magic fans for years have wanted to know that in crunch time if we need a bucket there's a great chance we're going to get a bucket Jalen Suggs is going to get you a bucket. And I'm someone who also was just kind of weary of, of uh, on Jalen Suggs as a player. I wasn't really convinced. We talk about two, three summer leagues not being enough evidence, but I I don't know, man. I mean, he's leading the team. He's got Cole Anthony on the roster right now. He's got RJ Hampton, guys that already have a year experience, and he looks better than them. It's And, and those guys aren't any slouches either. That's not a slight at them. That's just praise to Jalen sucks. He has looked so, so good uh, throughout these games, man. Um, Getting a a bucket at will is what it seems like. Shooting, at least going into tonight, shooting six for 12 from three, shooting 50%, which is great. Obviously not a huge sample size, but for a guy that shot 33% from three at Gonzaga, and that was my biggest concern with him was shooting. He's wiped all my worry away when it comes to three-point shooting. He's confident. He's got the tools. He's a winner. And he's a leader, so I, I'm. I think I'm now completely sold on on Jalen Suggs, oh, and fast. look forward to kind of what he becomes.
0: Dang. Two games and you're yeah. sold?
3: I'm, I'm <laughs> sold, dude. I mean, you you look at those games, man. Like you just have to watch them. Uh, yeah, the Cole Anthony and, and and R.J. Hampton are deferring to Jalen Suggs. Yeah, he, he's he's in a he, He's playing summer league. He hasn't even stepped on a real NBA court yet. And and he's already making these strides. And I was very, I mean, I was on record two months ago saying I take Scotty Barnes over Jalen Suggs. That's oh. how low I was on Jalen Suggs. Now I am glad that Scotty Barnes went fourth because it made <laughs> me look smarter at the time. Scotty was like mocked at like seven or eight. Um, so so yeah, I, I think that um yeah, I'm I am there's no lack of better term there. I'm I'm sold on Jalen Suggs.
2: Yeah, I think, um, you know, when when you look at Gonzaga, you know, like you guys mentioned, you know, he's behind, you know, Drew Timma, 19 points per game, Corey Kispert, 18.6 points per game, you know, Jalen sitting there at 14 points a game, shot 50% from the floor at Gonzaga, you know, just 33% from the three-point line, but he didn't have to be the guy, the scorer for Gonzaga. He just had to defend at a high level. He had to facilitate, you know, which he did there. Um, We've seen a lot of the highlight passes, everybody knows. But when it was time for a bucket, game in, game out for Gonzaga, those close games, they went to Jalen Suggs over and over and over again. And it looks like that's what the match are going to do. Um, we're trying to stay even keeled you know, with the summer league. But I'm now what I'm about to say is going to sound outlandish. Oh, so I'm going to say the name Tracy <laughs> McGrady. I'm not trying to compare Jalen Suggs to Tracy McGrady. That is by far and away my favorite basketball player of all time. But it's basically been since Tracy McGrady. Um, that we've had a guy on the perimeter that you say, hey, I just need you to go and get a bucket, and there's not a doubt in your mind. Magic fans are going to say, oh, what about Hito Turkoglu? Hito Turkaloo, it was, what are you doing? No, no, yes, yes. (laughs) And then you freak out when he made the play. Um, But Tracy McGrady, he just had no doubts. Every single time he touched the ball, he's going to go and get a bucket. Um, Jalen Suggs, part of my concern was, um, I didn't see a ton of, you know, over the rim, above the rim uh, play as I turn red here. I'm trying to, Fix my uh, my autofocus on the camera. Um, But uh, (laughs) yeah, just totally messed up my camera by raising my arms here. And now I'm trying to fix it. But um, anyways, that's how excited I get about Jalen Suggs, I guess. But no, um, you know, we've seen the ability for him to play above the rim. Uh, Defensively, he just made play after play after play already. Um, There is an instance with like 30 seconds to go in the first game against the Warriors. Cole Anthony turns the ball over. I think it was a Kyle guy and Moses Moody two on one going the other way. Uh, that's almost always a bucket. Jalen Suggs made the play on both of those guys, you know, guarded Kyle guy. I think it was turned around and, you know, and got the block retained the ball um, and then had a chance to go the other way and, and score a bucket to win the game. Uh, but then, you know, made the plays in overtime, you know, that, that we needed for, you know, us to win the game, but no, we're um, really excited about Jalen Suggs. You know, he, he's a rookie. I don't want to get too crazy right now, um, but there's just, there's a feeling around the team right now with Jalen that he just has you know? Um, and that's not something that you can always point to as something that's tangible. Um, but right now it's just a feeling we feel really good right now about Jalen sucks.
1: Yeah. And there's a lot of young talent that has a lot of potential on his magic roster next season. And hopefully they do well, you know, Riv and I, we don't have too much high expectations for Orlando. We made a video about them in San Antonio, right. possibly being the two worst teams in the NBA, but who knows they can prove us wrong. They can get out to a hot start. And, we just want to thank you guys for being on the show. It was truly a pleasure, a pleasure. And congrats on your success in signing with BlueWide. That's awesome. That's amazing. And yeah, man, it was awesome to have you guys on the show.
2: Well, first of all, we're super, super grateful. And uh, what I can say to you guys is, um, you know, we've been doing this two and a half years now. Um, you know, obviously, it's all thank, thanks to our listeners and, and people that check out the show. But um, you guys are on the right track. I'm sure you won't be too far behind us.
1: Yeah, so if you guys want to plug in your show, you guys can in this uh, moment in time.
2: Oh yeah, for sure. Um, you can find us, you know, on Instagram, Twitter at Six Man Show. Can find us, you know, on, on Facebook as well. You can find us on uh, YouTube, YouTube dot slash the Six Man Show. Um, we do shows every Monday. Uh, we're starting a new uh, show on Thursday that we call Shoot the Shot. Uh, where we're going to talk more, you know, NBA stuff and, and rumors and just kind of whatever else we want, you know, <laughs> and, you know, food, video games, music, movies you know you name it um but no we're just, i think i speak for luke we're just really appreciative that you guys had us on it was a lot of fun right luke
3: yeah and one thing i did want to say uh if you guys start talking reckless about the magic this year <laughs> i'm about to pay the 15 dollar patreon and give my <laughs> right. take on the show so you guys watch, watch your mouth and uh oh. and, and i'm gonna i'm gonna pay the 15 bucks i'm not above it i'll do
1: it uh, we, Oh, we know how uh, vicious magic fans get they were on the rib for talking about uh cole anthony not being the great shooter
0: oh uh, well I hey
2: that riv wasn't wrong I mean, <laughs> yeah, that is that remains to be seen yeah yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. we, we want to thank you guys again and luke jonathan just make just let you guys know i remembered your names it was just that no, one hey, slip up in the beginning
2: we we left an impression that's all we can ask. <laughs> we appreciate that man. so thank
1: you guys for being on the show once again it was truly a pleasure and wish you guys best of luck in the future
4: Thank you. This is Andy Herman from the Packaday Podcast. In case you didn't know, the show you're listening to right now, as well as my show, is part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Blue Wire was founded in 2018 on the concept that independent podcasts would be more successful if we worked together. Today, Blue Wire has grown to feature 300 shows led by former athletes, media professionals, and passionate fans. Over the past few years, BlueWire has privately raised over $10 million to expand their team, their podcast network, and business operations. Now they are raising another round on WeFunder. WeFunder is a crowdfunding service that connects startups with investors. It's a cool platform that gives everyone the opportunity to be part of a growing startup. You can invest for as little as $100. In other words, you don't have to be a millionaire to invest in cool companies on WeFunder. Blue Wire is raising money to expand their sales team and improve operations, which in turn will help this show continue to grow. If you would like to be part of the BlueWire investment round or want to find out more information, go to WeFunder.com slash BlueWire. That's WeFunder.com slash BlueWire.